0: I can really tell
1: as a podcaster that the attention and the time that you put into yours, it's noticeable.
0: It's also a method for me. It's my personal language learning method, because as I re-listen to it, then I can memorise small snippets, and I try to implement it into my speech, because, yeah... I, I don't I don't need to talk too much to, I can No, talk we're, we're already lately. going into the content yeah <laughs> yeah
1: yeah yeah Daniel it's fantastic to talk to you thank you so much for your time today to speak to me and share your knowledge with my audience how are you I'm really pumped thank you very much for
0: for reaching out to me to to make this uh, swapcast. it's really a great topic actually it's uh, it's really connected with me, this topic, actually, because I started out with my fluent podcast because of my disfluencies.
1: Well, we'll talk about disfluencies in a few minutes, but that's the first thing I wanted to ask you, Daniel. How would you describe your podcast, which is called My Fluent Podcast, to someone who's never heard it? Greg, actually,
0: maybe it's strange what I am telling you now, because in my opinion, even I I, I, can't, I, I can't put my finger on right what it is, but what I can tell you is that it's about the love of, of learning languages. And sometimes people, they think that it's about learning English specifically, but that's actually not true. <laughs> so the goal is to inspire people to, to learn languages and also to get to know maybe people who are podcasters, who are learners, who are teachers, I try to show the human being behind them. Maybe it's not always that obvious because of course I try to, to show maybe um, specific methods. For example, I, I will give you an example. There was a guy called Wins from the Philippines and he told me that he would listen to podcasts at the three times speed. Wow. <laughs> it's incredible. And then my goal was to research if this could be like a method to improve in our target language. And that's what, that was like the theme of the episode. Yeah. And sometimes I also give the microphone to other people and then they, they will do their, their thing. Right? <laughs> That's incredible.
1: Yeah. I often tell my students to slow down the podcast to 0.5 speed, not to speed <laughs> it up to more because their problem is often listening. But apart from your motivation in the podcast for language learning, languages in general, I also also notice an underlying love and motivation of podcasts. So were you a podcast listener before you started My Fluent Podcast as a way to improve your listening skills?
0: Yes, I was. <laughs> I was an avid podcast listener. Actually, when I was listening to podcasts in the beginning, nobody else knew <laughs> what a podcast is, right? So my friends, <laughs> my relatives, and I was really motivated. This, this was really a love for me. And yeah, I, I wanted to, to make my own podcast, but then I thought, I can't do it in German because this is maybe also strange because I have a strange relationship with my own dialect because I am speaking Swiss German. And even in, in Switzerland, my dialect is supposed to be very exotic. Mm -hmm. So in a way I was ashamed to, (laughs) to podcast in, in standard German because everyone would know, right? Because if I am, just saying one single word, every everyone knows from, from where I come from. I don't yeah. know if you can relate with, with me a little bit, but... <laughs> I'm,
1: I'm trying to think of a parallel. Maybe it would be me podcasting for an American or Canadian or Australian audience as an Australian or an American, and they know that my accent, even though I speak the same language, is from a different place. Something yeah. like that.
0: Yeah. yeah or maybe... Yeah. Someone from, from Scotland who has maybe a very thick accent and, and then people would listen to it and they they wouldn't understand. Right. So (laughs) yeah. And then, and I decided to make it in English, but the problem was I was not able to speak in English. And also that was a reason to start out so that I can become a fluent speaker. Right. Because I, I was not able to speak freely um, this maybe comes also because i am an introvert i am not an outgoing person and even in my mother tongue i am rather a person who likes to be maybe listening to others right and i'm not a person who who shares his opinion to everyone right <laughs>
1: But you realize that's an oxymoron for a podcaster, right? <laughs> Somebody yes. who's that, very that shy, is. who doesn't like yes. to put themselves out there and yes. be in the public eye or the public ear, starts a podcast. But I want to say I think it's a fantastic way for anybody to, to practice their English. And I commend you on on the job you've done. If you have any advice for my listeners listening to this or or your listeners who want to do this as well, how would you advise them to begin podcasting to improve their English so, or any language?
0: Yeah, first off, I would say the most important thing is just to start out, right? Because podcasting is not difficult anymore and there are possibilities in which you can podcast for free. You don't even have to to spend money on it. You can begin slowly, right? You could even start recording on your mobile phone and then you don't you don't even need to publish it you could do 10 episodes and then see what happens because it's all about being creative and this is a great tool to use your target language to practice and maybe something will sparkle a fire in you and then you will love it and then the journey will continue.
1: (laughs) And you will end up speaking as fluently as Daniel. So I highly (laughs) recommend you jump on on the train and and do that journey as Daniel did. So you have My Fluent Podcast, which you started in 2016. So it's a long running, very popular podcast in which you interview other language learners. And you have another podcast called The Vocab Man. Tell us about that.
0: Exactly. So whenever I come across a great expression that I want to learn, then I want to teach it at the same time. So that means this could be f- even from, from an interview. This could be from this interview here. Maybe I, I spot a great example, um, and then I make an, an, a podcast episode out of it, in which I explain the audience what it is, and where it came from, and I would also integrate some examples. This could also be examples from the internet, but it's, it's all about getting used to, to an expression. And ideally it would be a practical expression which you can use in your daily life. But it's not always the case because sometimes I come across really bizarre words in which I, I think I, I just, I must cover it for the vocab, man. I must cover like, it. Like
1: the heebie-jeebies, for example. Or exactly,
0: yuck. yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> or one you even used at the beginning of this conversation. You said, I can't put my finger on it. And that was an expression, I think, that appeared recently as well.
0: Yes, the, the, the last one. And I also try to integrate it into my interviews or whenever I speak, because that's the way it works the best. When you use the expressions, then you can remember them better. Yeah.
1: (laughs) That's a wonderful idea. Funnily enough, I was speaking to a student of mine yesterday who has just finished a conversation course with me, but she wants to expand her vocabulary more. Um, And I think that's a perfect way to do it. If you go and listen to The Vocabulary Man, which is Daniel's podcast, then you can really learn some of the more common but unusual expressions and vocabulary and collocations that you don't normally find in a course book if you're studying a formal English course.
0: Exactly. (laughs) And maybe maybe it's time that I ask you about your podcast. I mean, you're already more than 10 years in, right?
1: How many Um, years are you podcasting? Well, it depends how you measure it. If you want to talk about the podcast as it more or less is now, which I'm, I'm quite happy with and I think it works, then I think we have to go back to 2014. So that's eight years, is it? But I started before that. I started creating audio for the website and just putting MP3 f- files on the website on mansioningles.com. And then I started doing a solo podcast, Just Me, which wasn't very good. So I don't really count that because it was boring. And I was basically reading a list of exercises, vocabulary and grammar exercises that was putting me to sleep. So uh, don't go and listen to that. It wasn't very good. But when I started with my co-host Reza then from 2014. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I came across an interview with you and Reza. And Reza asked you a bunch of Questions and I wanted to show you one audio snippet right now. So let's check it out right now Craig, what do you see yourself doing in 10 years time?
1: I'd like to be doing the same sort of things I'm doing now pretty much Um, Teaching, working in education Having a presence and hopefully an influence on the internet Um, Helping people learn English Mm -hmm. Well, Craig, it's been a pleasure talking to you. And to you. So
0: what do you think, Craig? So Thanks. almost eight years passed. And now, did the prediction come true?
1: <laughs> um, more, more or less. I'm not working in the same place. I used to work for a language academy called the British Council, but I was made redundant last year. So now I focus 100% online learning with conversation courses mostly, but also exam courses. So I'm doing the same kind of teaching, but I'm doing it solely only over the internet. And yeah, I'm proud of the podcast. So I guess that's that's one thing that I'm happy with. I think some of the content I've created for YouTube and uh, Facebook in particular, it could be better. So that's something I'm working on. But generally speaking, I'm happy with the way things are going. I do feel I'm helping people. And that's one of the joys of teaching. And I think English teachers listening to this hopefully will agree that you're never going to be super rich, but you do get a lot of job satisfaction at the end of the day because you're you're helping people get promoted, get jobs, pass interviews, pass exams, and get on in life and communicate. Yeah. So I think that's a good thing.
0: And I mean… You receive a lot of feedback and also your listener, they send in audio records all the time. It's, it's incredible.
1: Yeah, the audio recordings, they, they, they put petrol in my tank, so to speak. They they really keep me going and, and keep my co-host Razor going as well. When we hear from listeners who have achieved something because they got a higher level of English, whether that be, as I said, promotion or a new job, then that really makes us happy And we're lucky to have a a very communicative and interactive community.
0: Maybe one question about your podcast. So English podcast has different types of uh, episodes. So could you tell us the different variations of it?
1: Well, it was born as a co-hosted podcast with myself and Reza. And that's been the majority of the episodes. The bulk of most of the episodes, Reza and I, will speak about or teach or introduce and practice grammar, vocabulary, pronunciation and different aspects of English. Most of those ideas come from our community, so people who send in feedback and questions, we answer them on the podcast. And occasionally, like here today, I'll bring people on and introduce them to our audience because I think it could benefit them and I mix in, I've been mixing in more of these interviews recently. But if you go back to 2014, maybe even 2013, I did do more interviews, but for some reason I I stopped for a few years and now we're trying to bring in some more people and mix it up a bit and introduce people to our audience.
0: And how do you think, can the listeners get the best out of these interviews when they are listening to them?
1: Well, people learn in different ways, and some people are very methodical. So if they find our podcast, and we've got over 400 episodes now, I think 430, and if they realize they like it, they'll go back to number one, <laughs> and the first ones are not very good. <laughs> so they, they'll start listening from the beginning in a methodical way. Yes. So they'll start at number one, and then they'll work through one by one, they'll work through the episodes. And some people like to dip in and they'll search for a particular grammar point or vocabulary area, and they'll just choose the podcast by the title, by the episode title, which is fine too. So the episodes are not in seasons or chapters. They're just one after the other. It's a weekly podcast. And if you want to study something specific, you can go to com and use the search to find a specific topic.
0: So if I got you correct, so your podcast is kind of evergreen because you can use them even if the episodes are uh, old, right? Because they are always with
1: value. I hope so. Look, if it's about the first conditional or the third conditional or a grammar point, then yeah, I suppose they are evergreen and you can, they'll always have value. And from time to time, we try to keep away from news and current affairs, but we were asked time and time again, many times to do a podcast about Brexit. So eventually we said, okay, and we discussed (laughs) Brexit. Now that probably isn't so relevant now, but if anybody's interested to hear our opinion, they can go and listen to our episode on Brexit. But generally speaking, we keep away from news for this reason so that it's evergreen and it always has value.
0: Great. So what do you think? Let's dive into today's topic. Okay,
1: disfluences. So I'm pleased that you agreed to speak about this with me, Daniel, because it's an area of interest that's very current for me. I've been spending a lot of time thinking about disfluences and introducing disfluences, as a focus for my, for my students to try and improve their fluency. Let's start with a definition. What are disfluencies or what do you understand by disfluencies?
0: First off, let me just quickly say something before I dive into it, because first I have to say that the word in itself, disfluencies is terrible. <laughs> I think it's terrible because it has such negative connotations, right? It, it sounds so negative because in my view, as I have a podcast called My Fluent Podcast, so my aim is to become fluent. And when I am hearing to these fluencies, uh, <laughs> it shudders.
1: <laughs> That's interesting. That's so interesting because I never thought about that. I thought, because I've read a bit about this and I thought it's a pretty good term to describe what, if you think of the prefix, dis-. Which is the negative prefix. So, disinformation, for example, is not information, and fluency, disfluency is very descriptive. But can you think of a better term? Because many people say crutch words is a disfluency, really. So, if I say to you crutch words, do you know what I mean?
0: Yes, I know what you mean, then. I think it's the most common, the most well known term, I guess. But yeah, as you said, it's, it's only one part of the whole. So for me, these fluencies are are like obstacles, it's obstacles that, that make you hinder uh, being fluent, right? So maybe we could talk about the different parts of it. So you mentioned yeah. the crutch words.
1: Yeah, crutch words is just one. I mean, the technical definition of a disfluency is any interruption in the normal flow of speech. That's the technical definition. And I think we should make it very clear from the beginning, and I'll probably repeat this 10 or 20 times. Native speakers have disfluences too. Native speakers use these. It's not something that's especially prominent or uh, assigned to language learners but we'll get yes. into that later. So a crutch word, if people don't know what a crutch is, if you injure your leg or you, you break or your leg or sprain your ankle or have a problem with your leg, maybe you get this stick from the hospital to help you walk, and that's a crutch. So a crutch word when you're speaking English is a word or a noise that you use to help you speak or to give your speech seemingly more fluency, although I'm not convinced that that's actually true. So that's a crutch word. Do you know any examples of crutch words? For example, you know, you
0: know, is the classic, I think. And also this, I don't know if if it's a word, it's the ums, right? Uh, mm. Mm. I guess depending on your language, it differs maybe. yes.
1: Yes, it's slightly different. For example, I teach a lot of Spanish students. They live in Spain, so it's slightly different. It's more like eh, eh, which is a higher pitch and a slightly different sound, but it has the same function. But you're right. It's words, anything that fills the silence or gives you time to think before you continue speaking. Another one that's really common, especially in American English, is like. So I said, like to him, like he was going like to the shops and then like he said, like, and it's something that goes inside the sentence and affects the fluency.
0: I noticed that in my interviews, I say a lot, right. In the end of my questions, right. (laughs) I also say a lot like, and it bothers me, it bothers me not during the interview, but when I am editing the interview and then I notice them and it just, it bothers me. <laughs>
1: Do you remove it when you're editing?
0: I remove some of them because I think it's not fair to remove everything because that would be cheating, right? Because every, everyone <laughs> would think that, that I am 100% fluent and, and that's just not right.
1: <laughs> I agree. I agree. My crutch word is so. I tend to begin far too many sentences with so, and it's just not necessary. It's a word that really annoys me, really bothers me. And like you, I I remove some of them because it annoys me so much, but also I leave some in because it also serves as a way to change the topic of conversation. You want yeah. to change what you're talking about and move on to another topic and you use the linking word. So it has its function, but there are other ways that you can be a bit disfluent in your speech. You can repeat words. I, I think you, you should, should practice like that. You can elongate the vowel sound. And I had a student recently that did this and I had to draw her attention to it because she was saying, I think you, so that elongation of the vowel was giving her time to think of the next word, which is okay. I mean, these, all of these are fine. It's just when you do them too often, the listener becomes aware and then they can only hear that and they stop hearing the other words, I think.
0: Absolutely. And one thing that I have noticed is that in the interviews for my podcast, sometimes I wouldn't notice the crutch words or the disfluencies of my interviewee because it, it doesn't bother me, right? Because the conversation goes on and I can understand everything. The other person can understand me, but then when I am editing again, all of a sudden <laughs> like, <laughs> like 200 uh, crutch words pop up, right? And it's incredible because my brain didn't see it during the conversation. It's just afterwards.
1: (laughs) And you noticed when you were editing, that's interesting. That's interesting. I think it's also maybe, that's an interesting, is it more obvious when you listen to a podcast, when you're not an active part of the conversation, it's more noticeable, perhaps? I think so. I never thought of that. Because
0: also if the conversation is complex, maybe you are too focused on, on the important part right and another person would be more laid back maybe they don't have to think about a lot of stuff at the same time and then they they can notice it
1: yeah absolutely i remember i had a a spanish neighbor who i got on really well with because we had the same taste in music and when i spoke to him especially about music we had these long conversations and his crutch word was sabbes and sabbes translates to you know So he'd say, "Um, me gusta este, like I really like this person, sabes, and I went out to buy the CD, sabes, and all I could hear in the conversation was sabes because every sentence had 10, you knows inside it and it distracted me from the conversation. So it can be a problem, especially for language learners because language learners more than native speakers sometimes they're translating in their head from their mother tongue and they need that extra time so they use a disfluency or maybe their their brain is trying to to catch up or or there's something going on they're searching for vocabulary in their head and they're making these noises and they don't realize they're doing it so my My reason for bringing this to people's attention is not to stop them completely, is to make the students aware that they're doing it because very often they don't know and just to try to reduce a bit the number of disfluencies they use, which will make them more fluent.
0: Yeah. Now comes a situation into my mind where you were the best man or the co-best man in a wedding and you had to prepare your wedding speech. And I think you mentioned it in the podcast episode with Martin Johnston. And you didn't notice it while practicing. And then the other person told you that, that you had such a, a lot of uh, crutch words.
1: Aprender Inglés con Reza E. Craig. We practiced our speech together. So okay. we practiced it in private. And I said my piece... And Mark says, okay, that's good, Craig. Just say it again without these er's and the ums and the er's. And I said, what do you mean, Mark? I didn't say that. Yes, yes, you did. And when I actually focused on how I was speaking, I noticed all these er's, ums, ah's in the middle. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. It's a bit like you need to be told. It's a bit like you're walking around with a piece of lettuce in your tooth or a piece of tomato and somebody has say hey you have something in your tooth oh thank you very much it's that kind of thing where if nobody tells you like i didn't know i was saying so many ers ums ers and yeah when i realized then i tried to reduce them a bit so shall we speak a little about how people can reduce these disfluencies if they are noticing that they're using crutch words or yes uh, um uh. so one thing i suggest is just slow down and i spoke about this with on that podcast that you mentioned daniel with martin just to slow down your speech don't rush maybe you feel a bit nervous when you're speaking a second language but even so try to to slow down as much as possible and it's okay to leave pauses if you pause Instead of uh then it creates an effect that's almost magical because the listener will lean in to the conversation and be more attentive waiting for you to say the next thing. So pauses are your friend. Don't be afraid of silence when you're speaking. Yeah.
0: Instead of silences, you could also use expressions like I've lost my train of thought. So there are many similar expressions, which buy you time. So when, when you are familiar with them, you can use them and it gives you time, like one second or so. So instead of saying, um, you could say, "Great, what a fantastic question you asked me or something like that. Then this gives you also one second time, instead of saying, um, um, <laughs>
1: Exactly, exactly. And if you listen to native speakers, they tend to have their own strategies and techniques for that kind of thing. One friend I have who's also a podcaster uses the word interesting a lot. So if somebody says something to give him time to collect his thoughts, he'll say, hmm, interesting. Yes, let me think. Those kind of space fillers to give you time before you answer. They're very useful.
0: And maybe you could work On your pronunciation because sometimes when I don't know how exactly the pronunciation is then I overthink stuff and that makes me slower yeah it's like I'm getting stuck right so whenever you come across a word that you are not familiar with you can practice it you can learn the pronunciation and the next time you will be more fluent.
1: How do you think people can use technology to improve their fluency?
0: So, for example, they can record themselves. This could be with their own mobile phone, and then they can re-listen to it, and they will notice the crutch words and the disfluencies, and then they can re-record it, right? So maybe you have a topic, and then you, you practice it, and... I'm sure if you talk about something five times, the fifth time, it will be better than the first time. Maybe some specific apps. This could be YouTube. Well, it's not an app, but if you upload a video of yourself and you don't need to publish it, you can just upload it and have it private. And then you can make the subtitles. YouTube will do it for you. And then you will see all the ums and this gives you an indication if you are using too many crutch words for example
1: can i just make a comment based yes? on on that sure. that idea because uh, descript i think is a an, an app that you know as a podcaster descript is well how would you describe it it's a podcast editing software suite that also has voice to text so if you want you can a descript will transcribe your words into text and you can see as you just said with youtube exactly what you've just said but you exactly. probably know this daniel this descript software also has a function that can remove your ums and your uhs and your errs those disfluences and i've listened to podcasts that apply this feature and it sounds terrible Because it doesn't sound so fluent. It sounds false. It sounds robotic. So again, I'm going to say it. Don't over obsess about these disfluences because they do occur with native speakers. I just wanted to make that clear so that people don't think they have to be absolutely perfect.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Maybe at this point, I could show a little audio snip of Keanu Reeves because he's using a lot of crutch words. Good idea. Well, First of all, I would like to ask you, because you're such a famous actor, how do you do to manage the ego?
1: Oh, um, you know, for me, I, I just, uh, I know I'm a pretty simple guy, you know, um, you know, I ever since I was a young kid, I, I wanted to act, you know, I started professional acting when I was 15, um, and you know, I've been really lucky to have the chance to
0: have a career, and um, I don't know. I just have always tried
1: to keep it simple.
0: So, what do you <laughs> think, Greg? Is it okay to to use that many crotch as an actor? Uh,
1: is it okay? I first of all, let me say I'm a huge Keanu Reeves fan, so yeah, I don't want to crit- <laughs> I don't want to criticize him too much. But in my opinion, I think eight or nine you knows in 45 seconds for somebody whose speech is part of their profession, I think is too many. Maybe it's him because he is a cool guy. Maybe he's doing it on purpose to give that laid back, relaxed vibe and impression. Maybe if the interviewee was somebody like Anthony Hopkins, (laughs) he wouldn't get so many your nose and disfluences Now, one one inch before I get what you before I ask you for your feedback on that I want to add one more thing imagine that Keanu Reeves is a lawyer or a, a pilot or somebody who's who needs to inspire confidence and integrity if they're saying you know um, well I don't know and they're sounding so unsure of themselves it affects the way they project themselves to the public.
0: Yeah, what do you absolutely. think? And I think that, for example, there is a little problem when we are consuming, let's say, movies or series. You don't see crutch words. so maybe this is misleading a little bit because we think that it's not normal and. It is, it is normal as we could see in one example, but there are many more examples.
1: So do you think he's doing it on purpose or you think that's the way normally speaks?
0: I think it's just Keanu Reeves, how he is.
1: (laughs) Maybe I'm not sure. I'm not convinced. I think I have to check out some more natural interviews to see if he, he speaks like that, but I'll come back to you on that. I'll check it. Okay. Where were we? Yes. Um, we spoke about YouTube. We spoke about the scripts, You made the wonderful suggestion of using mobile phones that everybody has in their pocket to record and record again and record again, and be critical when you listen back to your recordings and ask yourself the question: How can I improve this? Have I mispronounced uh, some vowel sounds or a word? Can I improve my? Am I making too many uhs, ums? Am I too hesitant in my speech? And another suggestion is to use apps like Siri and Google Assistant or Alexa, the lady in the tube who uh, can listen to your English, obviously change it to English if English isn't automatically programmed in these devices. And if the device has a problem understanding you, then maybe you have to tweak or change a little the way you're pronouncing words. And of course, if you're using too many disfluences and crutch words, it also may have a problem understanding your commands. This button, the microphone on the bottom, that's a, now as you speak, it will just write for you. And you can change, you can add, now you can see it's in Spanish. And now if you speak, you have to speak in Spanish because if I continue to speak in English, it, oh my God. That's, <laughs> 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 it won't understand you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yo necesito hablar en espanol. Y
0: ahora esa aplicación yes. puede escribir para ti. Okay. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tom, that's <laughs> There is another app called Otter, Otter. I'm sure you are familiar with it. I use it. Yeah. And it's free, I think, for at least a certain amount of time. So you could use it and, and also store your conversations with the transcript.
1: Yeah, it's very good speech to text. It's one of the most accurate speech to text software programs I've used to try to transcribe the podcast. It's very, very good.
0: Another point would be your state of mind, right? Because if you are stressed out, this might have an effect on your speech. So if someone yeah, is, is really overwhelmed by, I don't know, by, by life, if a lot is going on at the same time, maybe you should, take a break because it will it will show it will show if you are if you're not sleeping two days it will have a massive effect on your speech and i am sure that you will use more crutch words
1: yes also in presentations have you ever had to give a presentation in front of people an audience
0: yes i have indeed It makes and it
1: makes it makes me very anxious and very nervous, and I what the result is I speak I tend to speak quicker, faster, and obviously with more disfluences.
0: Yeah, another example that I can give you is when I had an interview with Luke Thompson because he's sort of an idol of me because I think he's one of the best podcasters out there, and when I had the interview back in two thousand seventeen. I was trembling. Right. And I was stuttering and, and yeah, and this happens also right now in this interview, because it is very important to me and it makes me (laughs) becoming less fluent, but
1: it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I haven't noticed, but I did listen to that interview with Luke, Luke and I thought you did a wonderful job. If people want to go back and listen to that, do you remember which episode it was? It was a very good interview. I'm also a big fan of Luke. I just looked it up and it was episode 28, five
0: years ago, actually. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Awesome. So maybe I would like to ask you, you were, or you, you have been a podcaster for 10 years and more. Did you become a better speaker over the time or a better communicator? Because I mean, you are also a teacher. And for you, this is quite normal to be in front of people and, and speaking.
1: Right. It, I wouldn't say it's normal. I've never felt comfortable doing it, but I like, and you've said this many times on your podcast, going outside your comfort zone and doing something that you don't feel particularly comfortable doing is sometimes a wonderful way to improve at anything. Yes. So just jumping and into the water and just trying things is is really good. So I think that the few times I've done public speaking at conferences, etc., has been because I wanted to push myself. I never really enjoyed it, but I felt great after. It's a bit like going to the gym. You don't want to go, but you, f- you never feel bad after. <laughs> yeah, so absolutely. I'd, I'd recommend, I'd recommend <laughs> that people do it but the question sorry the question was about the podcast i don't think by itself it helped me to become a more fluent a better speaker but it did make me more aware of how i speak and as an interviewer yourself and i know that interviews can be really difficult at times i think you might agree that interviewing people is a skill that's first of all a challenge it's very difficult but when you have a successful interview you feel so good yeah that you've, you've had a good conversation and it's not only benefiting you, but it's benefiting the people who are listening. It's a wonderful thing.
0: Absolutely. And I must repeat myself because as I said, I am an introvert and for me it is even difficult in my mother tongue to reach out to a stranger, right? In, in real life, because I'm, I'm really shy. So for me, it was really, really hard to reach out others, even if it's online. And I was literally trembling and very, very nervous. But I really, I, I love it, right? Because I can have a connection with people that I, I would n- never have met them otherwise. So for me, podcasting is really beautiful. It's it's more than just uh, forty minutes recording, publish. And, and and that's it for, for me. It's getting in touch with other people, and I kept in touch with many interviewees over the years. And it's just beautiful to to share our views and to have something in common. Yeah, it's it's really beautiful. But I think. You can only know how it is when you podcast yourself. (laughs) Maybe, I don't know.
1: (laughs) No, I agree with that. I think that's a fantastic place to finish. So you've heard it from Daniel, a person who doesn't feel particularly comfortable speaking with other people and especially putting himself out there on a podcast. But listen to his English. Look how far he's come and how much fun and benefits he's getting from podcasting. So go and start one. Go out and start a podcast today in English follow in Daniel's footsteps and I don't think you'll regret it. Any final words, Daniel? No, I just wanted to
0: say that, yeah, anyone grab a microphone and push the record button. And if you have any questions, I can, of course, help you to set up your own podcast.
1: Okay, Daniel, thank you so much for your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you finally and I hope we'll stay in touch. Maybe in the future we can get on online again and do another chat to to both our audiences
0: it was really great thank you Greg and uh, yeah we keep in touch
1: okay bye bye you are listening to Scott Holmes the song is called Upbeat Park over 400 episodes now I think 430 and if they realize they like it they'll go back to number one and the first ones are not very good <laughs> so they they'll start listening from the beginning and they'll method, 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 oops. in a methodical way. Well, i can't say the word can you help me daniel can you describe it method methodically <laughs> with method without aim maybe no no with a oh. method me- when you're methodical about something then you work through something in a methodical way Yeah, I couldn't pronounce that word. That's terrible. You see, we're constantly learning. (laughs) Yeah. So they'll start at number one, and then they'll work through one by one. But you realize that's an oxymoron for a podcaster. (laughs) Somebody who's very shy, who doesn't like to put themselves out there and be in the public eye or the public ear, starts a podcast.
0: I think I give you the lead, right? Because, I mean... (laughs) You're the teacher. I am the English learner.
1: You say that, but um, I don't know. I think your English now is at a level where you don't have to say that anymore. I think you're quite capable of, let's say, being on an equal footing with me now because I'll probably use some disfluences during the conversation and (laughs) and, uh, we can just talk like we've been talking now. I think that was exactly
0: the moment when I started to sweat.